We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome in, everybody, to Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com. Joining me shortly is Chris Biederman. He covers the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee. We have another 49ers win to talk about. They start 2-0. They beat the Philadelphia Eagles 17-11. We're going to do some big picture stuff with the game. Just talk about it, things we observed, things we saw, and then... Uh, we're going to go back over our draft, the uh, players we each drafted to have big games and go back over and see who, quote unquote, won the second week of the season. Blue wire. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. I've decided I need a line to end the little intro thing. Like, and now Pearl Jam. Yeah, except not lame <laughs> like that. Um, but like, enjoy yeah, the show. You. I hear you. Dumb. Yeah, we'll we'll figure but, it out. One of my we'll, we'll... Wait, send send me potential lines to say. Sure. I'm just like get into it is a different podcast I listen to by a comedian, mm-hmm. and I think that's a great one. Um. But I, I don't know. I'm wor- I'm gonna workshop some, and you'll see. You know, as the as as I go through these intros, I might start throwing some. Just a you know, it might be a movie quote, it might be a song lyric, it might just be something I heard at work that day that I decided to use. So, if, if it's a song lyric, we can get. I, I already have things percolating. Oh, things are percolating. <laughs> things things are percolating. Well, let's let's get into this game because. Yeah, because we're we're a day late on this one, and and I think we both have some interesting thoughts. So, the 49ers defense—that's where I want to start. I know a lot of the conversation surrounded the quarterback with the way Jimmy Garoppolo and the offense as a whole struggled early on. So we'll get into that, but we're going to put a pin in it for a moment because my big concern going into Week Two was what their defense looked like against the Lions. The Lions got basically whatever they wanted in the run game. And their pass defense without Jerry, without Jason Verrett kind of fell apart a little bit. Josh Norman got the start across from Diamador Lenore. Javon Kinlaw was back in the middle. 
And I thought defensively, it was night and day from week one against a team that may not be, I don't know. I think the lions and the Eagles might kind of be in the same tier offensively, but the Eagles have a ton of playmakers that can just kind of flip a game if there's one blown coverage. And I thought the Niners, for the most part, save for the 91-yarder to, to, to Quez Watkins that D'Amador Lenore gave up, I thought the defense, for the most part, was really, really excellent for effectively all of the game. Yeah, I would agree. They, they made the plays when they need to when they needed to, they, you know, the secondary I thought played particularly well uh, on, on those deep passes. Joukowsky Tart had a deep pass breakup. Jimmy Ward had a deep pass breakup. Um, Lenore was uh, a little bit lucky on that Jalen Rager touchdown that got called back because he stepped out of bounds, but I did think Rager did a good job of sealing off um, um, that sideline over there that sort of forced Rager to step out of bounds and, and the 49ers did get lucky, right? Like the Eagles very much showed their inexperience in that game, mm-hmm. whether it was first year play caller, Nick Sirianni, second year quarterback, Jalen Hurts, um, all their skill guys with the exception of Miles Sanders and their tight ends are super young, right? So like you could say, well, Jalen Rager, if he's more experienced, probably doesn't step out of bounds there. Right. And, and, you know, the Philly special thing was just laughably bad. And that was so it wasn't it wasn't so much the play call as much as just the execution, because as soon as the play started, you knew what was happening. Yes. Like it was everybody just, on the 49ers defense knew it was happening it, as soon as like as soon as they do the reverse. It's like, oh, it's Philly special. And then Jalen Hurts is the only option over there. Yeah. Like they didn't have anybody else. And so um, that was just the 49ers got a little bit lucky by by playing the Eagles. Um, in their infancy of this new coaching regime. But yeah, the the defense did play really well. They sort of, um, you know, they snapped back into what they're good at. Like they were, they were stretched a little bit in the running game and then they sort of snapped back. I think some of that came with Javon Kinlaw coming back. I think their linebackers were just better in their run fits. And I think Mm -hmm. Fred Warner talked about it during the week, like just wanting to play with a completely different mentality. And look, in the Lions game, I didn't think it was so much like, an execution thing as much as it was an emotional thing. Like, I think the team was just emotionally shell-shocked after what happened to Jason Barrett. Sure. Um, so I, I think that played a big part of it. They let their foot off the gas against Detroit, and they didn't do any of that um, against the Eagles. So in a sense, it was a good lesson for the 49ers to learn early on. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the, the defense was good, but they did get a little bit lucky. Like, if if that long field goal wasn't so low, allowing Javon Kinlaw to block it, mm-hmm. like, that's three points the other way. If the maybe. Eagles... Yeah, maybe. If the Eagles are competent, you know, like, a little bit more competent, then they probably do score after, after the 91-yard completion, right? So, like, mm-hmm. I think it was a little bit of both. It was the Niners' defense playing pretty well, playing, playing really well, I would say. And then them being able to take advantage of a young and inexperienced Eagles team in the second game of a, of a new coaching regime and the new play caller. I think Nick Sirianni called the Philly special and like had his press conference answer ready in his head. Oh yeah. He was ready to run that play. He was going to run that play and he wanted it to work because it's his first game at Lincoln financial field. And he was so ready to be the coach that had the stones to call the Philly special. And it didn't work. Did not work. And that's 
kind of funny to me as a person that does that sometimes where I'm like, oh yeah, I know what I'm going to say when this thing works and then it doesn't. (laughs) So I relate very heavily. Um, No, I just thought particularly what they did in the secondary where the Eagles, the Eagles in week one were all underneath everything. I think Quez Watkins average depth of target was negative 2.3. Yeah, Jalen Rager was was 1.2. So today you you mentioned it in the in our in our text thread during the game. Like they were they were dink and dunk week one, and then there were bombs away in week two. And the 49ers were for the most part, again, the 91 yarder to Quez Watkins was not ideal. <laughs> but for the most part, they were equal to that task. You had Jaquaski Tart with a pass breakup down the field with really nice coverage. Jimmy Ward had a nice pass breakup down the field. Uh, Diamador Lenore, you mentioned on the on the Quez Watkins or the Jalen Rager play, sealing him off on the sideline. The Eagles were trying to generate these big plays on deep throws, and they only got the one. And that's something that I thought that they were going to be able to get a little bit whenever they wanted going into going into Sunday. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, the 49ers are, are they played without both of their starting cornerbacks. And if you take away the 91 yard catch, which you can't necessarily do, but you take that away and Jalen Hurts only has 99 yards passing for the entire game. So, right. um, you know, I, I think they, they did play really well, I think, and we can transition into the offense here, but I, I think the way they were playing and the way the Eagles offense was playing allowed Kyle Shanahan to operate the game the way he did because I think he saw early on that okay they're gonna have a hard time scoring on us so we can play more of that ball control like just run it 38 times no matter Mm -hmm. how effective it is because Kyle Shanahan is so tied to the correlation between run attempts and winning games right um but defensively like Nick Bosa had two sacks right no. Um, they were much two better really def- big plays. They were much better defending the run. Fred Warner's making plays all over the place. Um, the safeties played really well. So I think that's that's definitely a good indicator. Um, you know, I, I think the 49ers are going to get challenged by better offenses for sure. Sure. Um, and I, I like I said, I do think they benefited from from just the Eagles relative inexperience and just the newness the, of, of with everything that's going on there. But no, they, they played exactly as well as they needed to. And to allow 11 points to a team that scored, what, 33 or whatever it was mm-hmm. against Atlanta week one. I mean, it, it they the, the game plan was sound. I think it's a credit to D'Amico Ryans. I'm still a little bit leery of some of his blitzing. Um, a lot of blitzing. A lot of blitzing, particularly on third down. And a lot of the blitzes were exploited by, you know, Jalen Hurts can just avoid the pass rush and then all of a sudden half the field's wide open and he can go get 15 yards scramble on the sidelines i wrote about it going into the game the 49ers he was excellent against the blitz against atlanta yeah his his yards per attempt when he was blitzed were like 10.6 and there were 5.7 when they didn't blitz him yeah yeah so it was just i think one of the things that was really interesting to me about the game overall was like, you know, I, I like pitting this team against a 2019 team just to just to sort of catch the indicators and like trying to figure out how good they are exactly. There weren't there was really like one or two rock fights 
that the 49ers had in 2019, right? Where it was Mm -hmm. just like a real defensive struggle um, where yards were really hard to come by. And that was a game in Washington where it was just like a monsoon with Mm -hmm. rain, right? They won nine to nothing. And the passing Mm -hmm. game was basically ineffective because nobody could grip a football. And then there was that Ravens game, which the weather was also an issue, but it was also just two running teams playing against each other. Right. Um, but all the other games the 49ers had in 2019 were much more high scoring, were much more cleaner offensively. So it was real interesting just in the context of that, trying to compare this team versus that team, because it, it just did look so different. And ultimately, I, I think it's a really good sign that the 49ers can win in different ways. Right. Like they can mm-hmm. win when the offense looks really clean against Detroit. Um, the defense obviously let let them down in the fourth quarter in that game, but they still won. Um, and then they were able to win like a rock fight after getting punched in the face in the first quarter mm-hmm. and um, and, you know, held the Eagles to <laughs> to no points on that on that goal line stand and then blocking the field goal like and basically dominating the second half, even though they weren't putting up a ton of points. Um, it was just an encouraging sign to me because, you know, they're two and oh but they were able to do it in a way that we haven't really seen them do it before. Um, And we can talk about the offense, but I I just, you know, it was encouraging from that standpoint because not every game is going to be as clean as you want it to be. Mm -hmm. And this was just an opportunity for them to, to win something uh, to just to win a really tough game. And, and I think Fred Warner, what he said after the game was really telling you was like the hardest ones are the ones that, that mean the most. And this was a really hard game for the 49ers. And we thought it would be coming in because the Eagles were super talented in the trenches, especially. And so I think that's why the game was so tough. And ultimately, I think the 49ers are better off for it because it's not a familiarized pattern, right? It's like, right. We had to win a rock fight on the road. Um, It's unlike, it's unlike how they won in 2019, which is interesting. So I want to use that to springboard into talking about the offense and you talk about what it looked like in 2019. And I want to start with the quarterback because Jimmy Garoppolo started that game. It was, it was ugly. I think he was three of seven for 19 yards. Uh, He missed a couple of screens. Well, he missed one screen. Debo Samuel dropped another one, Um, but he missed Debo. He was like falling all over himself. Yeah, it was weird. It was he was, he, it was he like looked, there was pressure really where he wasn't expecting it to be. He looked really rattled to me. Yeah. And on. then he he missed a third down throw to Muhammad Sanu on an out where Sanu was wide open. He just missed him. He missed Brandon Ayuk uh, deep down the field on a play that that might have gone for a lot of yards that he completed it. Um, so he just didn't look good. He was three of seven for 19 yards and then didn't start the second quarter particularly well. That and was you, a, sorry. To, they, that was the first time uh, in the Kyle Shanahan era that they didn't get a first down in the first three series. Yeah. Yeah. Three, three and out the first time they'd done that since week 10 of 2016 during that phenomenal chip Kelly. Year. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was, it was as bad as it's been under Kyle Shanahan and you started to see the rumblings. Hey, what, what, how long's the leash? Do you take it? Each and to Garoppolo's credit, he finished the game 19 of 23 for 170 over the final three quarters with a touchdown and just kind of did the Jimmy Garoppolo thing. And that's why Sunday's game was not a surprise. We know that this is what's coming from Jimmy Garoppolo. It's why they're going to move off of him, but he's the starter this year. They're going to live with the halves of football where it's like, man, does this guy, 
He doesn't quite have it today, but he eventually figures it out and he had it and he had some key first downs on QB sneaks. He had a touchdown on a QB sneak and they just kind of put it together and figured out a way to win. They can't win every week if Garoppolo is going to play like he did on Sunday, but you know, those games are coming. That that wasn't news to the 49ers that Garoppolo was going to have a game like that. Yeah, I agree. I, I think, I think he was bad early on, but he settled in. And yes. I think the throw that really changed things was the 40 yard completion to Debo Samuel on that post where he mm-hmm. fit it right between two guys hit Samuel in stride. He had the long catch and run. It was on that 90 yard, the first 90 yard scoring drive at the end of the half. And it came after the Philly special play. And then the 49ers went into halftime with the lead and you're like, all right, they're, they're in a pretty good spot. All things mm-hmm. considered. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately Kyle Shanahan mentioned like nobody on the offense was playing really well. It wasn't just Garoppolo. Like right. the offensive line was not playing well early on. The Eagles were doing whatever they wanted in the trenches up front. And I think a lot of that just had to do with the energy in their home opener, um, the crowd noise. Like this was the first time the 49ers, I, I guess, since Detroit. <laughs> but this was like a real home field advantage that the 49ers walked into, right? Um, so. I think that it was a confluence of factors, but it was that Jimmy Garoppolo just didn't look comfortable at all. And when Jimmy Garoppolo is just sailing wide open guys, to me, that's a telltale sign that he's not comfortable. Yeah. Let alone like almost falling over when he's not even getting pressured and throwing a screen right to, to Debo right. Samuel, the one that that Samuel dropped. Um, and so it was, you know, like I think just because of, the way the 49ers defense was playing and knowing that the Eagles offense probably isn't spectacular. Kyle Shanahan was willing to live with some, you know, a bad start from Garoppolo knowing that, okay, we need to make some adjustments. We need to call more screens and short passes. We need to negate the pass rush a little bit. We need to do some stuff that might not have been in the initial game plan. Mm-hmm. And then that might be able that that might be the thing that settles Jimmy Garoppolo down. Yeah. And so I think that's what Kyle Shanahan did. And, and Alex Mack said it after the game, the Eagles defensive front were doing things that they didn't expect based on what they saw against Atlanta. So there was there was mm-hmm. a lot of in-game adjustments happening. Um, and that might have led that that might have been a, a really big factor into how bad they were just in the first quarter. Um, and look, the, the foundation of the 49ers offense is running the ball. Mm-hmm. You know, if they're able to run the ball, then that sets up play action. That sets up everything else they want to do. The 49ers had zero success running the ball, um, or at least early on. And then they then they just decided to stick to it. Um, but no, I, I think in terms of the quarterback thing, Trey Lance probably just doesn't have the equity right now in Kyle Shanahan's mind to say, all right we need to win this game. The offense isn't moving at all. Let's throw him in there for a change of pace. So I understand why he wouldn't just want to go to Trey Lance because the offensive line was getting its ass beat. Right. So you don't want to put a rookie quarterback behind an offensive line. That's just getting beat because that's, that's how you stunt a guy's development or that's how you can potentially harm a young quarterback. Well, Um, and and just in this game in a game that tight, you have a rookie quarterback in a situation where he's going to be pressured and rushed in a way that he's never been pressured or rushed before. And now you've got him making a rookie mistake where you have a turnover that swings the game. 
Right, exactly. Exactly. Like a pick six for the Eagles probably wins it for him. Or just a fumble, like on a botched exchange. It gives him a short field. There was just never a point where it was like, yeah, Trey Lance is the answer here. Yeah, but I will say, like, if they didn't have the 90-yard drive going into halftime and it was and basically what happened with the second quarter, I think it would have been completely fair to just stick Trey Lance in there just for a different look, just to try something else. Sure. Because if Jimmy Garoppolo is going to miss wide open guys, then what's the point of even having him out there? Right. And he did settle down ultimately. Mm -hmm. And some of that might've had to do with the defense, just taking the crowd out of the game. Well, and I think that's, that's something with Garoppolo too, to kind of zoom away from zoom out of the, the week two thing. I can think of one game where he never settled in. Which one? And it was that Monday night game against the Seahawks in week 10 of 2019. He just never looked comfortable in that game. And that's another game where their offensive line got their asses whooped. Yeah. So I think Shanahan knows that Garoppolo is going to, like, that's one of the things he's very good at. Like, after he throws an interception, he's really good coming back. And I think Shanahan knew eventually he would get in a rhythm. And to to his credit, he did. And and like I said, I don't think this is news to the 49ers. Like, I don't think anybody was hitting a panic button. They kind of know that this is what you get with Garoppolo. And that's why, like I said, that's why they're moving off of him. Because you're going to get these games like this where he's going to play and he's you're going to get the win, but it's, it's going to be, you know, a little bit of a struggle under center. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of Kyle Shanahan's strengths, too, is identifying early on what kind of game it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, because there are games there are games when, you know, it's like the Saints game in 2019 where you're like, in the first quarter, you're yeah. like, all right. Rip. <laughs> yeah, we need to score 48 points to win this yeah. game. Yeah. Versus, well, if we get to 20, we're probably in good shape. Right. Right, like I, I think Shanahan has a good feel, and, and I don't know you know, how much is that of that he, he can predetermine before the game or um, just getting a feel for it as the game's happening. But I think that's one of his strengths as a coach, like early on in the game, you can say, all right, if we get to this point and our defense is playing at this level, like we don't need 35 points. And I, I also think there's an element too, where look, it's a 17 game season. And we, we sort of talk about it every year, maybe after the fact, but like, with the way preseason is and starters not getting a whole lot of time, like the first month of the season is an extension of the preseason. Some of these coaches minds. Yeah, absolutely. They'll never admit it, but I think that's, that's an element as to why Kyle Shanahan did not get deep in his bag of plays, right? Like he's not running a reverse with the receiver throwing to a running back downfield like that Saints game. He's not pulling out all the stops. He's not, and I, and I think some of that is because, well, I don't trust the offensive line to protect in these situations, mm-hmm. but also like, Hey, it's September. We can probably beat this team with a very vanilla offense. Let's just do that. And then keep a bunch of stuff in our back pocket that we can unleash later against a better team. And like, I think that's a pretty big part of it too, is just that like, yeah. Kyle Shanahan saw how the defense was playing, saw how the Eagles offense was making mistakes Mm -hmm. then realizing like, okay, I don't, I don't need, I don't need every trick in the book to, to win this game. And that, that might also be a reason why he didn't want to play Trey Lance. Not to transitions are weird. Um, Debo Samuel has been incredible. Yeah. Yes. I didn't think that 
he was going to be like this. The like, I didn't receiver in the NFL. <laughs> after two weeks? Yeah. Like I, 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 I wanted to word that carefully because I thought Debo is a really good player, but what he's done just in all three levels of the passing game through the first two weeks is just not something I really foresaw coming from, from him in this offense. Yeah. Totally like I thought that was going to be the Brandon Ayuk role and Debo has just been yeah. Yeah, remarkable. I wanted to note that because I don't think you can talk about this game and what the 49ers did offensively without noting, you know, you mentioned the 40 yard uh, completion to help set up their first touchdown. In fact, shout out to Juwan Jennings as well, who had his first career catch and first career touchdown. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Debo also had a really nice catch on a, on a third and short where Garoppolo had to fit a ball on a tight window and he, he snatched it out of the air as he's getting hit. Um, and this is with, you know, Brandon Ayuk, one catch for six yards, although he way out snapped Trent Sherfield, like 38 to 24. Yeah. And that's what, that's what I said. I'm buying Brandon Ayuk stock if anybody's selling, because yeah. I think the targets are going to be there. I, I agree. There's going to be a game coming up where the third option is going to be the one that Kyle Shanahan goes to more. Yeah. Like it's going to be part of the game plan. Like mm-hmm. a defense is going to try to take away Samuel and take away George Kittle, and then Brandon Ayuk is going to be the beneficiary. Right. That's going to happen. And I think that's just how it's going to go. I don't think this is an offense that it's going to be, oh, Debo had 118 yards, and George Kittle had nine catches and two touchdowns, and Ayuk had 98 yards on five catches. It's just not that kind of offense, I don't think. Yeah. And I do wonder, because uh, there, there was a lot of discussion about George Kittle after the game and, and just not getting him involved in the passing game. Um. That I think is an interesting wrinkle, and I would love to to be in the position or the the offensive meeting rooms to figure this out because I would have given George Kittle a lot more run in the passing game. I know he was a very prominent part of the game plan just based on how he was being used in the running game, and, and mm-hmm. I do think he got nicked up a little bit early that on the first Jimmy Garoppolo sneak, I think in the first quarter, maybe the second quarter like Kittle came out of the pile with a pretty pronounced limp. Right. And you noted it in the text chain, like after, after he had a first down catch on that screen, he didn't do his little no fear celebration thing that he usually does with the first down. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, I think he does that. He, that didn't happen because he was feeling a little bit nicked up Um, whether it had to be, or whether it was like total speculation, total speculation, but I mean, Kittle plays through a lot of stuff, but it looked yeah. like something with his right leg or right ankle or something. Well, and it felt like the entire game, they were doing a lot of those tosses, right? Those yeah. toss It felt like they were setting up the fake throwback to Kittle, who's wide open running against a linebacker or something. Right. And they just never, never went to it. And that's the thing is Shanahan's, they're not going to force feed George Kittle. It's not going to be, hey, we're throwing it to number 85. 15 times, whether he's open or not, it's okay. The Eagles, the Juwan Jennings touchdowns are a great example. Yeah. Kittle runs an in-breaking route. Juwan Jennings runs an outbreaking route and three defenders go with Kittle. Right. And Jennings all alone with nobody within 15 yards of him. Yeah. And Shanahan's going to take that throw to Jennings because that's going to get a touchdown. Right. Um, I should say Garoppolo is going to take that throw to Jennings. Uh, so I don't, I'm not, if, if George Kittle is going four for 17 for the next six weeks, like, okay, then let's, let's talk about it. But it's not, it's not even a concern right now for me. Yeah. I mean, he's playing well, but yeah, it's, 
you know, it, it, it is a little bit for Kittle. He's had four catches in each of the last two games. Um, nine targets total. So he's caught eight of nine targets so far. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe there's just, you know, maybe this Packers game is going to be the one where, you know, he has he has a big Kittle game, right? Where it's mm-hmm. eight catches, one 50-yard touchdown, and, you know, right. 170 yards receiving or whatever. Like, that's that's very possible. That could really happen at any point. Right. Um, but I, I think the, the broader point is that when this offense is peaking, George Kittle is having those kinds of games, right? It's not. Yeah, that's fair. It's not, you know, four catches for 17 yards. Right. So, uh, so I wonder how much of it was just Kyle Shanahan's stubbornness and to stick with the running game as much as he did versus the Eagle, the Eagles like bracketing him at all times, which I would imagine that's happening, right? Like if you're a, if you're a defensive coordinator and you're playing the 49ers, the first thing you got to do in the passing game, aside from just hit Jimmy Garoppolo as much as possible is stop George Kittle. So, you know, that like, and, and that could be a reason why Samuel's been getting off lately. Like, so I'm just interested to see how that evolves. Right. And I expect Kittle to have a big game at some point. But if this continues, if this trend continues, then it's then it's worth asking the question, like, what's what's happening here? Because, like, yeah. you probably need to figure out more ways to get your all pro tight end well, open. Yeah. And, and it's going to be what's happening here if they keep scoring 17 points a game. Yeah. But if they're going to hang up 30 points a game and, and a side effect of that is if they're going to hang up 40 points a game and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk and Jawan Jennings and Trent Sherfield are all catching touchdowns and teams are just going to continue to take out George Kittle, like, then that's what it's going to be. George Kittle's not going to have a huge year. But like you said, I think the best version of this offense is one where he's getting open and they're getting in the ball. And I do anticipate that coming at some point. Yeah, I would agree. Um, You want to hit a break? Yeah, let's hit a break. Then we can talk about our draft. We'll talk about our draft. Yeah, you would want to talk about it. (laughs) 49ers football is finally back and there's no need to exhaust yourself searching all over the internet to find 49ers tickets anymore. You know why? Because TickPick, that's T-I-C-K-P-I-C-K, is the original no-fee ticket site and the only one you'll ever need is your go-to for all NFL tickets. See, what TickPick did is they got rid of all those awful service fees that the other ticket sites charge. That's why I don't go to those sites anymore because those fees are ridiculous. It allows TickPick to guarantee the best prices on all of their NFL tickets. You don't believe me? You can find better prices for the same seats on another ticket site. If you can do that, TickPick will give you 110% of the difference in the purchase price. The 49ers open with two games on the road, but they are back at Levi Stadium September 26th. It's a Sunday night football game at home against the Packers. My mom, my mom has already gotten her ticket. She goes with her friends. I don't have a ticket yet. I'm going to go to TickPick.com. And get my tickets there because I'm not going to be charged service fees. I'm going to get the best possible price. And that's what your boy is looking for. I'm going to go enjoy the atmosphere. It's going to be electric. I can't wait to be there. And you should be there too. So visit TickPick.com slash Candlestick today and use the promo code Candlestick to save $10 on your first order of 49ers tickets. Do that right now. And we will see you at Levi Stadium on September 26th. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. 
Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, so in our preview episode for the Eagles game, we did a draft of the, we each picked three players, and it was the players that we thought would have a good game for the 49ers against the Eagles. So we went, me first, Chris second. I had picks one, three, and five. Chris had picks two, four, and six. Yep. So my first pick was the guy we were just talking about, George Kittle. And he had four catches for 17 yards, but he was featured, like you said, very prominently as a run blocker and was just, he's really good at that. That's something that I don't think is ever going to be really in question. We might say, Oh, where was he in the passing game today? But I don't think, I don't think we're going to ever miss George Kittle as a run blocker uh, when watching the game. Did, Did we mention in that preview pod, what Kittle did in, the game last year against the Eagles? I don't think so. Yeah. It was a lot I, of yards. He, he, he caught, I'm, I'm going through the game logs right now. He caught all 15 of his targets in that game. And I didn't really remember it until I was watching the game Sunday. I was like, oh yeah, Kittle. Yeah, here it is. 15 catches, 183 yards on 15 targets. against, And they lost. And they <laughs> lost that game. Um, So I was, you know, the Eagles linebackers are not good. Um, right. I don't think their safeties are very good either, but right. so that, so I think that's why it was so surprising. It was just, yeah, right. We've seen, well, that's why he was the first pick. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't realize that. I didn't remember it being 15 for 15, but those combination blocks that George Kittle and Kyle use do on those outside runs it's are not just even like, fair. it's, I, I, I mean, I watched the 49ers closer than any other team, obviously, but I don't know if anybody else in the league is really doing it or at least like at that level. Well, how many you teams have, have a, you, you have a pitch to one side, George Kittle 
goes out there, blocks a guy, and then Kyle Juszczyk comes up. Kittle passes him off to Juszczyk, continues blocking him, and then Kittle goes to the next level, <laughs> like I, and blocks another guy. Well, like how many? It's, it's just it's how many tight ends are capable of doing that? First of all, how many how many tight ends in the league are capable of doing that? Not many. Like he Four? just walls off defensive ends, over. and yep. like if he if you're a linebacker and he gets his hands on you, like there's a very good chance you're just getting pancaked. Yeah, it's and then and then you have Kyle Juszczyk. There's teams that don't even employ a, a fullback, and you have Kyle Juszczyk who's capable of doing that. So. um yeah, no, good game for George Kittle. Not his best, though. Not his best. So you took Kittle. I I think he had a good game aside from the receiving numbers. Yeah. Um, so my f- uh, first pick, second overall, was uh, Nick Bosa. And he had two sacks and was excellent. He was great. He was dominant. Yeah. He. That, I mean, that, do, I don't know if there's really a whole lot to talk about. Like that's a yeah. good Eagles offensive line. Nick Bosa dominates. Like, I know Fred Warner is the best player in the 49ers defense in large part because of the leadership, the intelligence, getting everybody sure. lined up, um, the reliability, the fact that he's made every single start in his career. I'm going to make a comparison. Go ahead. But Bosa is the more transformational player. Can I put it this way? Than Warner. It reminds me a little bit, not an exact comparison. So don't, don't come at me. It's not an exact comparison, but this is how I kind of view it with Warner and Bosa. Warner to me is like Draymond green on like the 2015 and 16 warriors. And Nick Bosa is like Stephen Curry where Stephen Curry is the better, like the best player transformational, like teams have to game plan for him. And if he has a great game, then the 49ers slash warriors, we're going to have a great game. Right. But Fred Warner is the quote unquote heartbeat of the defense, the emotional leader, making sure everybody knows where they need to be going. Um, That's, that's the comparison I draw. And while also being a really good multifaceted uh, player, who is an all pro and, and excellent at his position. But that's, that's kind of the comparison I draw when trying to say, you know, who the best player, the most important player, stuff like that. Yeah. So I think when I think about Fred Warner and Nick Bosa, I think about like Patrick Willis and then the addition of Alden Smith in 2011. Mm. Right. Okay. Cause like the Niners defense is pretty solid in 2010 Patrick Willis was making plays all over the place. He was he had been to multiple Pro Bowls at that point. But really what took the defense to a completely different level was Alden Smith and what he did as a pass rusher off the edge and just how much he speeds up quarterbacks and how that impacts how quarterbacks play against the defense. And then that it just goes to a completely different level. And so, yeah, I think Nick Bosa is just like Fred Warner, super important, but Nick Bosa is the guy that really changes things for the defense in yeah. my opinion yeah a, th- a thousand percent when when he went down with an injury last year it was like how does this defense get stops now what they did they're still they, pretty good they, yeah they're still they were still they still weren't bad but the that's difference why robert be- Saul is a head coach now yeah but the difference between being a really solid defense and being a potentially elite defense right. is nick bosa if nick bosa plays 
the rest of these 15 games, the way he played against Philadelphia, the 49ers are going to have a top eight defense. Yeah, potentially. Um, don't don't fence it. Bring a take. I just want to I, I want to <laughs> see how their cornerbacks match no, up against fair. the Seahawks and the Rams and that's the Cardinals fair. and right. the Packers. And I, I, just need, I need to see that. Don't, um, don't your guy, yuck my yum. What's that? I said, don't yuck my yum. I have never heard that before. Oh, okay. Is that Here a we go. Moving reference? on. Uh, I don't know what it's from. It's just the thing I've heard, but it's okay. been like older people who have said it. So I think it's not a TikTok thing. Got it. Okay. So uh, number three, I'm really proud of this pick. It was Jimmy Ward. Yep. Jimmy Ward was really good. He had a downfield pass breakup. The play of the game from, from him though, for me was the third goal, the third and goal play yep. on the Eagles, uh, on the on the Niners goal line stand after the Eagles had the 91 yard completion, they did a zone read where Hertz and Miles Sanders both went to the right, and then Hertz pulled it and Sanders acted as the lead blocker. Yeah, and Jimmy Ward before the play was calling it out, was was telling everybody to get to that side, and uh, Aziz Alshire broke through and kind of kind of forced Hertz to get wider than I think he wanted. And then Jimmy Ward flew through and knocked him out of bounds short of the goal line to set up the fourth down where the Philly special happened. Um, so yeah, Jimmy Ward was, was really, really good. Six tackles, um, a pass breakup for him. I thought he was uh, terrific. And that personal foul called on him at the end oh, of the game dude. was bad. Like I get it. The quarterback's going out of bounds. But if you hit him before he steps out of bounds, like before his foot actually goes out of bounds, that should not be a penalty. And right. it wasn't because- like he hit him high and it wasn't like he hit him particularly hard. It was it's just like the, the thing was the th- the problem with it that I had was the referee saying after the play was over. Right. Foul. It's like the play wasn't over. Play was a- he was still he- running forward and he had not stepped out of bounds. Here's the thing that that frustrates me on those. This happens like not just to the 49ers. This is a frustration I have with that call in general. Yeah, because Russell Wilson did this. He ran up to a defender and then started like like feigned like he was going to slide. So the defender stands up and then Wilson stands up and keeps running. Right. So and you can just bait defenders into doing that and right. hitting you. And it's a 15 yard penalty every time Right. They, on the broadcast. They're like, that's a smart play. <laughs> Man, really? That's that's what we're going to. So. Yeah. If you're a quarterback, run to the sideline and right as you get hit, step out of bounds. Yeah. And that's, I don't, I try really hard not to be the, you know, focus on a bad call guy, but yeah. that was bad. Yeah. And especially if Jimmy you're doing good. it on your own sideline where you're going to get 80 guys calling for the flag immediately. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's lame. Um, but yeah, good game for Jimmy Ward. Um, next Ooh, guy, this is a tough one. Next guy, Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, was the fourth pick overall my second pick um like i said i think he was rattled early on uh i think he was struggling with the pass rush like you can tell when jimmy garoppolo does not have faith in the blockers in front of him mm-hmm. and i think particularly at right guard like daniel Brunskill was just getting his lunch taken by, by really javon bad. hargrave and I think Jimmy Garoppolo feels that. And you can see it just by how frenetic he can be in the pocket and how he just cannot hit open throws. 
Mm-hmm. So he settled down. Um, he was good enough. Uh, he did scramble and make some plays. I, I think Garoppolo's scrambling and and the overall impact that had on the game might be overstated. I think he is really good at quarterback sneaks. Like if you sure. were to ask me what Jimmy Garoppolo's best skill is, like the one you could count on to be like really good, it's looking quarterback great. sneaks. And Kyle Shanahan said it after the game. It's that. Garoppolo's been successful on all 11 of his quarterback sneaks sneaks since coming to the 49ers. And he had what, four of them? Yeah, four of them. Three for first downs, one for a touchdown. And they got really lucky on the last one because that was definitely a delay game. And Garoppolo could have also been called for a false start for like leaning forward before he even got the snap. Yeah. Um, So they did get a little bit lucky there. But Garoppolo is good at that. And that basically help them win the game um but Do you know what i don't buy i don't buy this whole he just wins he figures out how to win like i guess but if he plays that way against the packers on sunday night the 49ers are going to lose by a lot yeah if he plays that way in a game where his defense isn't playing well like that's right yeah yeah i, I mean, think he was just okay like he was if you know how you know how wins above replacement works, 0.0, yeah. 0.0 is the baseline. Yeah. He's a 0.0 war quarterback. Yes, on Sunday. Like he was just he didn't there turn were probably it over. Two or three balls that should have been picked. The the high one to Ayuk with Josh yeah. Sweat just just in his face. Um that easily could have been picked. I think a defender even got his hands on it. Mm-hmm. Um the one he was also pressured on the one where he kind of floated it out there to Debo Samuel on the left. Mm, uh, that yeah, probably yeah. should have been picked. Samuel did a good job to to keep. That was going to be a pick six. Defender. Yeah. Um. So we did have some of those throws, and those those are the throws that are really the indicator, right? Yeah. Because like yeah, when Garoppolo's humming, he's hitting guys in stride. It's it mm-hmm. looks like that Debo Samuel forty yard catch where he fitted between two guys. I will say this for him: two 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 things. One, he still he looks. I don't, again, I don't want to overblow the the mobility factor, but just in terms of evading the pass rush and yeah. not taking sacks, he's much better at that this year than he was last year and in 2019 coming off the ACL. So I'll give him credit there. And you mentioned the the throws that should have been picked. He has avoided the just awful throw to the linebacker where it's you're wondering what he was looking at. Right, and also like. We mentioned, or I, I know I mentioned in, in multiple places, like one of the things that really stuck out to me about Garoppolo from week one was that he just played so much better than he had in other week ones. Yes. This looked more like a Jimmy Garoppolo week one game. Here, I, you you were talking about 2019. I pulled this up. In 2019, through his first two games, Tampa Bay and Cincinnati, again, this is coming off the ACL. He was really good against Cincinnati. It was like the, the Lions game was the Cincinnati almost, game. This one was yeah. almost to a T. So in 2019, he was 35 of 52, 67.3%, 462 yards, four touchdowns, two picks. This year, 39 of 55, that's 70.9%, 503 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Yeah. He's a little better this season, not turning the ball over, which has been key. Yeah. And he doesn't go, it, it doesn't go very often where Jimmy Garoppolo doesn't have picks in multiple games. Yeah. Like consecutive games. Um, yep. All right. Fifth pick? This Fifth is my pick. hipster pick. Your hipster Alex pick. Mack. Yeah. Swing and a miss by me. I got cute. 
he didn't allow a pressure. Yeah, but I, I, I said it. I was worried about Daniel Brunskill and could Alex Mack be a difference maker in helping Brunskill out against a really good defensive line. And he, I was expecting at some point in the game to be like, man, Alex Mack is putting on a clinic. I just never really, just never really did that. I don't think he was bad. I'm not saying he had a bad game, but I was anticipating a couple of plays that I would be able to point to when we did this segment. I went on this play. He did this, and I just got nothing. He was great on the quarterback sneaks. Boy, was he. <laughs> four for four on quarterback sneaks. So the center's so got to be doing something, guys. right? Guys, he uses that barrel chest. And no uh, no fumbled snaps, right? Yeah, it's huge. So that's an improvement. And the Philly heat? Yeah, and all that sweat. sweat. Um, all right, last pick was a guy I had, uh, Devo Samuel. Um, that's all right. He led the team in receiving for the second straight week. Uh, Six catches on eight targets, 93 yards, no touchdowns this time. But he's the NFL's leading receiver at the moment with 282 yards through two games. Do you know Um, how I know Debo Samuel's really good? Because every time he catches the ball, it's like, oh, shit, he's going to (laughs) score. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's he like kind of runs funny for a fast guy. Yeah. Like like these really short steps yeah like he doesn't pick his knees up super high and he's not like a glider by any stretch mm-hmm. but he's he's fast enough yeah um he's a good player man he's a really 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 good player oh. um before we get out of here can we talk about the running back injuries real quick yeah 49ers last drive is a little bit of a disaster on that front elijah mitchell has the shoulder stinger shoulder issue um Trey Sermon got his first carry of the year and got whacked really bad in the head. Uh, happy to hear Kyle Shanahan today say that there's no neck issues, which was, I think, a very legitimate concern yeah. the way he got hit. I think um, Niners he- players were upset with the way um, the Eagles defender hit him. I think that's why Kyle Shanahan sort of ran onto the field and started yelling at people Yeah, while Sermon was down because like, I think they were, they were barking at the defender for for how that went down. Yeah. I mean, he led with his head on a player that was prone in the air. That's yeah, diving I mean, forward. Yeah. Um, it was a good run though. Yeah. He looked, looked really explosive and picked up eight yards um, before he got hit. So he's in concussion protocol now. And then Jamichael hasty high ankle sprain. He's going to be out for a while. Um, the Niners are bringing in it's TJ Yeldon. Duke Johnson and Lamar Miller are the three running backs that they had in for visits or having in for visits. And they have carry on Johnson on the, on the practice squad. It's a, it's multiple people brought this up on Twitter. When I, when I said that this is like a who's who of guys, I thought were going to be awesome and just turned out to just kind of be just okay. Players. Um, All these guys at some point were on my fantasy teams. Like all of these guys were the cutesy like waiver wire pickup. Like, oh, I'm gonna outsmart everybody this week. Lamar Miller was like a first round fantasy pick. Yeah, he was really good at, a couple years ago for sure. And I think Carryon Johnson had a had a really impactful fantasy season at one point too. Yeah, I think he had knee issues coming out of uh, Aub- Auburn. Auburn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. Um, I liked him though as a player. 
I like Duke Johnson too. Duke Johnson was my go-to like over the off season. You write all these like, Hey, here's all the free agents that are available. The Niners should sign Duke Johnson was always on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I go back and forth with running back injuries, particularly how they pertain to the 49ers because they are good at getting production from a lot of different places. Right. Like if you have guys you can't really rely on, which I think was the case in 2020 when it was Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman, and they they could rely on McKinnon to play because he was only running back to appear in every game. But from the right. standpoint of like um just I guess what I'm trying to say is like I I'm less worried about their running back injury issues because they can they have a way of plugging anybody in. And no, getting, I, get, I get that. Getting enough. Like he mostered but... a different level because of just how he impacts the game when he's playing sure. well. But like if you deal with running back issues, like you could bring a bunch of these guys in, you can have a bunch of running backs on your practice squad. Like I, I ultimately it's... don't think it moves the needle a whole lot if they don't have like a super healthy running back group. I think it does when it goes from, like you said, it goes Mostert and then another tier below that. Yeah. But Elijah Mitchell, Jamichael Hasty, Carrion Johnson, Duke Johnson, like all those guys, I think you're right. Can they can cobble together a run game? But at some point, I think that ends. Like at some point, it's Duke Johnson. Well, it's, I, you know? Yeah. Like I, I'm a little surprised they didn't rotate the running backs more on Sunday. Right. Because like Elijah Mitchell's not having any, any success. And I just thought Trey Sermon would have been thrown in there at some point just to give the defense ah. a different look. Yeah. Right. And even Jamichael hasty only had five carries. Um, But uh, I, I, you know, Elijah Mitchell played really well in Detroit and maybe he's just way better on the practice field than, than the other running backs right now. But to me, just given that group, like I'm rotating them more than just making Elijah Mitchell the bell cow. And I do wonder if all those carries were, were one of the reasons why he had the shoulder injury. Yeah. And I think like, Maybe. I wonder too, like Kyle Shanahan loves fast running backs and outside zone plays fast running backs, running those plays collide with defenders. I think just faster than, you know, like Frank Gore, for example, just kind of like on those power runs or just kind of slither and then fall down. Right. Like yeah. it felt like car- Frank Gore never got hit square. Yeah. Like it's a car accident. Half these, half of these outside zone running plays. Yeah. Cause these guys build up so much speed and so much momentum. Like I do wonder if that plays into all this running back attrition that Kyle Shanahan has to deal with. Speaking of although he didn't in Atlanta. True. True. Or I didn't follow him in Cleveland that that tight. But anyways, um, real quick, before we get out of here, I love Frank Gore more than I love any player that's ever suited up for the 49ers. He is my favorite football player, and I am looking forward to being in Canton when he gets inducted into the Hall of Fame. You're going to make the trip? I'm going to make that trip. I've never been to Canton, so that's a good as good a time as any to do it. It's it's definitely a place. I've heard of all the places in the United States. It numbers <laughs> among them. Stop with the signed Frank Gore stuff. I understand. I get it. 
Chris, I'm not talking to you right now. I get the desire to see number 21 in red and gold again. I I get it completely. But if you want to put 38-year-old Frank Gore in an outside zone running scheme, he is going to fall down the all-time rushing list because he's <laughs> going to lose more yards than he's going to gain. So yeah. I love Frank Gore. I hope he signs a one-day contract to retire as a 49er. He will retire. They have de facto retired his number 21 already, and it's going to be retired, and it should, and then he'll go to Canton. He should not be back in a 49ers uniform for a 49ers team that has Super Bowl aspirations. He just doesn't fit. Do you work in talk radio or something? I'm sensing a talk. You're like tired of, of some talk radio narrative stuff. No, I'm just on Twitter. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I do, though. Thank you for bringing it up. I've never brought it up on the show before. I <laughs> produce a radio show at 95 Sound of the Game, San Francisco. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you. Um, I, I understand the sentimentality people have, but it would also be just way worse to sign Frank Gore and then for it to just be I don't, a, I ca- don't, a catastrophe. Yeah, I don't want to watch him carry the ball nine times for negative three yards. Right. My lasting memory of Frank Gore is that excellent game he had for them against the Cardinals in 2014. And then he did a lap around the stadium after the game. And it was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. I don't need more number 21 in red and gold in my life. Sure. I just don't. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. He's not going to solve any of their problems. No. And I love him endlessly. I can't stress that enough. Yeah. But be objective. I do wonder. Search your feeling. You know I do wonder true. if Frank Gore like could be a running backs coach, or I think he definitely could. Like I, I'm, I'm fairly certain that Gore, when he retires, if he ever retires officially, <laughs> I, I think it's, it's going to Ricky Anderson it. Well, I think he'll be like a member of the organization in some capacity. Like he'll work in player yeah. engagement, or they'll just like make up some bullshit title and just have him around just frank gore <laughs> i mean it, it might be in player engagement right like it, yeah it, it might be you know keena turner's assistant or whatever yeah just be but around he's he, like the, the, they'll have no problem giving him a salary no to uh to just i will donate influence to people. <laughs> whatever like yeah no he's he is a legend he's gonna like i said i'll have his number retired and I should be a Hall of Famer, but they're not. They're not hard up for cash. No, the they're fine. They're fine. They're doing okay. Yeah. Team's worth like four billion dollars. They're doing all right. They could probably. <laughs> they could probably throw Frank or like six figures just to you know, say hang out and like tell the young guys to stop being stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Bring pizza to the media office every once in a while. Oh please, I'm all about it. Get he he did that. He going. did that when he. Um... Yeah, his last game. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I brought it up. Yep. Anyways, we're gonna get out of here. Do you have anything else on this game? Uh, good win. No. I'm looking. That was a good win. Yeah, it was definitely a good win. I mean, not their I, best game, but they still found a way to win. That's the most important. Like style points do not matter. We're not do. It's not college football. We're not doing polls now. Like now, if they continue playing like this offensively for the next three or four weeks, like, okay, then we can talk. But tough game. They feeling, figured it out. I have a feeling that Eagles defensive line might be one of the best in the league. I th- I think that's probably right. Even without Brandon Graham. Yeah. 
So they're not going to get out of here. They're not going to go against that defense every time. But no, a win's a win. It's the NFL, 2-0, both road games. Yep. It's what, it's what they needed to do, and they did it. So that's ultimately positive. Yep. Big game against Packers. We'll preview it later on this week. Subscribe, rate, review. We'll have a midweek pod. We'll have a preview pod. Really excited to be bringing you all this content. Love talking football with you guys. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.